I'm just going to share with you the thoughts that the Lord gave me to begin with. Number one, he said, tell them I want to talk to them. So God wants to talk to you this morning. I'm going to try and phrase it in a sense that he's talking to you and not me. Um, And the thoughts that came to me are this. I called you to a walk of faith. I called you to a walk of faith. Throughout the scriptures, I have revealed to you the work of my grace. Throughout all the scriptures, I have revealed to you the work of my grace. And we're going to get into some of the details of what that is a little, a little bit. I spoke the book of Deuteronomy into existence for you to learn something. The book of the Father in heaven said this to the people of his day. I'm going to bring you a book of remembrance because I want you to remember the positive and the negative things that you have been through. But I also will bring you this book because it's a book that transitions you from failure to success, from defeat to victory. There are scriptures that confirm what is being said. I have not left you without hope. I have not allowed despair to come that is not greater than what you can bear, but I will see you through it. What you cannot do, I will. Because What I spoke, I stand behind, and I will do it. Do not look at yourself as being complete in everything you need. But look at me, because I have everything you need, and I will provide all you need, and I'll take you into all that you need. Despair not, because I will not fail you. I believe the Lord sent the spirit of rejoicing here today. The book of Deuteronomy is the book of remembrance to transition from failure to victory. The book of Joshua 
was the book that took him into victory, but the book of Judges is the book of despair. And everything that God prophesied in Deuteronomy concerning Israel, when they go into the land, he said, you're going to forget me and you're going to run after other gods. It actually happened, and that's why they ended up in the book of Judges. Deliverer after deliverer after deliverer after deliverer. A deliverance didn't last too long, and they were right back where they were. And here's the key. Because they didn't conform themselves to the word, they didn't take God's word seriously. And so there's a theme in the book of Judges, and this is where it leads to. When after we have victory, you have to be very diligent and not become slothful and hearing opinions that differ to what God's word, you're going to end up in a problem. And here's the phrase that's found in the book of Judges. Everybody did that which is right in his own eyes. Oh. Seems right to me. Does it seem right to you? Oh, yeah, okay. No. Anything that leads us away from the victory is not right. Human reasoning says, uh, I can just do what's right in my eyes. No, no. We have to do what's right in his eyes. Are you with me? The victory of dispossessing the enemies of the land was God said, I have destroyed them. Go in and do what I've already promoted. Think of that. Don't think of that as sometimes just the devil. Think of sometimes our own personal attitude. Or our failures. God's not here to condemn us. But he, he wants us to walk in faith. In other words, expect what he said no matter what you're going through. Amen. Contend for truth. When you contend for truth, lies disappear. When you contend for truth, victory is always real. When you contend for truth, you will walk in truth. And it's amazing because he called Abraham out of the air of the Chaldees and he called Abraham to leave where he was and go to where I wanted him to go. That began the, 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 uh, the pilgrimage of the people of faith began with Abraham. Every place where your foot will walk, he says, I'll give it to you. He gave him a vision that he had in heaven for his life 
And Abraham responded to the call of God. And because he responded to the call of God, he began to walk a walk of faith. He faced the impossible. He said he left not knowing where he was going. What does that mean? It means he didn't have it all together and he didn't understand everything. But faith often requires a step before the realization. And, and, and he, he, he just wanders around. At this point, he owns nothing. In a sense, he knows nothing. Except what the father told him. That little bit he knew. So God calls Abraham, and Abraham, the principle is this. I called Abraham, and I asked him to leave so he could move into what I have for him. I asked him to come out of where he is and move into what I have for him. And, and in it all, we can learn how to live in the land. Oh, somehow Israel didn't learn how to live in the land because they ended up in Judges. All those things, let me read you some scripture, how God thinks what he says and how he sees this relating to us as people. Let me read this to you. For whatever was written in early times was written for our instruction. That through perseverance and encouragement, the scriptures, that in the scriptures we might have hope. Oh. He's talking about the Old Testament. Another way that's put, it says, the things were written for our benefit. Their experience is recorded for our benefit. The benefits that we have nowadays is this. We have the history recorded. We have the principles of failure and the principles of success written. He said, learn from it. Don't just read the Old Testament. Oh, that's a nice story. No. The Father, when we read the Bible, the Father looks at us and says, what are you learning? What are you taking in? I left these instructions for a learning time. And it's like, oh, interesting. God begins the journey on earth, and he ends the journey on earth. He began the journey of humanity on earth, and he will end the journey of the humanity on earth. And it won't fail. It will not fail. Your journey and my journey in God's hands will never, ever fail. 
Yeah, we have our ups and downs. It's like one guy said, sometimes up and sometimes down, but never in Nottingham. It's always down. And I, I just feel so challenged in the sense of, oh, let me read some scripture verse. That's one scripture verse, Romans 15, verse 4. These were written for our instructions, our benefit. Can you imagine leaving an instruction that's infallible to victory? Leaving an instruction that's a guarantee of failure. It's there. It happened through the life of people. But God recorded it for us. So we have the records. They didn't. We have the recording. They didn't. We've got the word. Hallelujah. When we walk in the land of the kingdom, we walk by faith. In other words, what he said is what I believe, what I expect, and actually what will happen. We have, to, we have to have the word not just in our mind, but it has to become a conviction in our soul. It must take possession of who we really are. Because when it doesn't, we just end up doing right what's going on in our own mind. Oh, well, I guess that God doesn't heal. Oh, well, I guess. No. Truth is truth. Don't ever try to defend truth. Truth never has to be defended. God doesn't have to be defended. He's very well able to defend himself. But instead of trying to defend truth, walk in truth. Because I try to defend truth only to end up in arguments. And there's a difference between walking in truth and trying to defend something that God said. I, don't, I discovered I don't have to defend what God said. He'll defend it. Because he'll do it. Jesus said these words in Luke 24, 44. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you. It was very important for him to remind them what he said to them before. And here's what he said. That all things must be fulfilled, which are written in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms. The amazing thing is this. Jesus becomes the central theme of the whole Old Testament. He becomes the subject of all truth. And he says, there's a whole lot of things. There's a whole lot of little. There's a whole lot of things that must be fulfilled that are spoken of me. In other words, he knew that the word of the Old Testament was his assignment. He came to fulfill everything that was shadowed, spoken, simile, types, metaphors. All speaking of Jesus. Let me just give you a couple, three of them. One, 
the Lamb of God. He fulfilled the, the shadow of the, of the natural Lamb that actually was to portray the true Lamb. So that we could understand. So God uses natural language to reveal spiritual truth. Another one is the scapegoat. Two, two goats, one killed and one the high priest laid his hands on him, imparted all the sins of Israel on him, and sent him into the wilderness never to see him again. Oh, when Jesus hung on the cross, the hand of God came upon him, imparted all the sins of the world on him, and then turned his back on him. The, whole, the Old Testament is full of the fulfillment of the Messiah's assignment on earth. Full of it. All the offerings, the sin, the trespass, the meal, the peace, the wave, were all fulfilled in Christ. All the feasts are fulfilled in him. The feast of Passover, we take communion. He fulfilled it. Wow. And the, the, here's the important part of it. He fulfilled his assignment that was spoken of him in all different types of languages to reveal the real. In other words, the lamb, the scapegoat, were all pictures of him and what he would do for you and I. I believe that it, it pleases the Father when we say, not my will, but your will be done. I believe that pleases the Father. Now, I know it's easy to say those words, but when we're, when we're in the middle of a stress or a strife, do we say those words? Jesus did. For a moment in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, oh, if this cup could, oh, no, 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 not my will, but yours. Under the greatest stress of a human being, he yielded to the will of the Father. Wow. It said in the, in the book of Hebrews, it says, he became one of us. And being a man, Fulfills the, the will of the Father, destroys the power of the devil, performs miracles, has authority as a man. And then he commissions us. He tells us, hey, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. Like, what does it mean to live in the land? How do you possess what you already have? Sometimes I think we're trying to possess what we already have. So God, God speaking to us, he's saying, you know what? I left you an example 
for instructions, the whole Old Testament. I, I, I told you that it was all about me in there. And that's him talking to us. His word talks to us. The next thing that I find very intriguing is in the volume of the book, it's written of me. And here's what it says in the book of Hebrews, quotes the Psalms. Then he said, lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me. I come, I come in the volume of the book that's written. I come as what is written about me. Glory to God. Can we say that? I come, I come according to what is written about me. I come as one who has the fulfillment of his word in my heart. And I'm coming to fulfill it. Hallelujah. In the volume of the book was written of him. Guess what? In the volume of the New Testament is written about us. In the volume of the Old Testament is all our instructions of what to do and not to do. And we can say, can we say in our hearts with conviction in my, in my soul, I am come to fulfill. I come in the volume of what is written about me. Glory to God. Not suggestions. Truth. How do I walk in the land? By the word. I come. Jesus walked into the land of victory. He came into the land of darkness, shone a light, walked in victory everywhere he went. He walked in the land according to what was said about him. Isn't that cool? So how do I walk in the land? I have to first of all say I come in the volume of the book of what is written about me. What that does is it puts our thinking in proper perspective. It puts our thoughts into what is primary and not secondary. In other words, the will of God is not secondary in our lives, it's primary. Let me read you some scriptures. <clears throat> this is talking about Jesus. And because he came according to the volume of the book that was written of him, it says this. Thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all, thing, all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. Amen. But now we see not yet all things put under him. In other words, the reality of everything that's put under his feet, we have yet to experience. There are some things we have yet to see. Oh. And here's the focal point. 
We don't see everything. We don't see everything under his feet. Everything is under his feet, but we don't see it in our lives. But we see Jesus. Hallelujah. We see Jesus. Do you see Jesus? Who was made a little lower than angels. Now listen to this. For suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Wow. In fulfilling all of the Old Testament and establishing the new, do you know what he did? He was made the captain of their salvation. Perfect through his suffering. See, Jesus is the model on how to walk in the kingdom, he's the model. Now listen to this. Because of that, for both he that, is, he that sanctifieth, this is Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11, and they who are sanctified are all one. Wow, so we're one with Jesus. He made us one with himself. Isn't that cool? And here's what he says. Saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praises unto thee. That's very important. The church is God's plan. I saw, I met a young man that I, I knew years ago. Yeah, he says, I don't go to church anymore. He says, you, know, you, get, you just leave there all screwed up or whatever, and he wasn't speaking too well of the church. So it's obviously he couldn't speak praises in the church for whatever reason. I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church, and I will sing praises to you. We don't sing praises to one another. We sing praises to him. Glory to God. See, that's walking in the land. That's walking in the land. It's walking in the land. We are in the land. He called us out of darkness into his marvelous life. We're in the land. We're in the land that flows with milk and honey. We're in the land of victory. We're in the land where the enemy is defeated. We're in the land where, where we don't get torn down and put down. Because the image of the old was they didn't believe they could conquer those stupid giants, and so they spent 40 years in the wilderness. God was patient for the next generation, and then he put the book of Deuteronomy into motion and says, this you need to remember. I want to take you into the land. It's amazing 
Joshua and Caleb, men of faith, had to live 40 years with a bunch of unbelievers. But they didn't lose their faith because they believed the word. They had a deep conviction that went beyond the giants. They had a deep conviction of God's ability to do what he said. It wasn't their strength. It wasn't their ability. It wasn't that they were such big men. They believed God. And therefore, 40 years later, they're 80 years old now, and they're entering into the promise. Never give up. When you hear complainers and, and doubters, read the word. Stay in the word. <laughs> There's a verse I want to get to. Hallelujah. I could get really nasty with this verse. God is speaking to the Roman church. Listen, church. God is speaking to the Roman church for a reason, and he's telling them something that they need to hear, and it's obvious they didn't listen. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet. He's already under his feet. We're the body of Christ. We're Satan. Under our feet. Oh. So, and, and the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. In other words... Don't waste too much time. Do it. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. <laughs> In other words, his divine favor and divine power, divine ability, you can stomp on him. How do we keep him under our feet? We believe the word. You see, when they didn't believe the word to get into Canaan, the enemy was not under their feet. The defeat at AI was because of greed. But it didn't stop God to take the rest of the people in. So some people may wander off wherever, whatever, but I'm going to stay with the word because the word is going to take me into the promises that I have not experienced yet. It's a walk of faith. And it says amen, which means I come into agreement with the covenant. Now, you just came into agreement. Remember, when you say amen, it means something. 
So as we're walking through the land, what do we do with the adversary? So old Slewfoot or Lucifer comes to Eve and starts twisting the word, making her doubt what God said. The amazing thing is this, God didn't stop him. And neither did he stop Adam and Eve from taking them that tree. The reason why is because he gave them a free will to make a choice. Your choice and my choice make a difference. It makes a huge difference. The simplicity of the word must become our life. The simplicity of truth must be what I walk in. When whatever Jesus said is ours. Whatever has said he, he said we could do, we can do. And I think the problem is, is we have a belief system, but we don't have a conviction. When you have a conviction, you don't tolerate anything. But if you have a mental assent, oh, well. And you end up falling down the well. And it's, oh, well. You ever go down a well? When I was a young boy, I had to go down a 20-foot well in a bucket, trusting my brothers at the rope. To clean the bottom out. It's a weary place to be. And then I had to trust him to pull me back up again. And it was cold down there. Why did I get off on that? For much then, as the children of partakers of flesh and blood... He also himself likewise took on part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them, uh, them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily, I, verily he took on him, not on him the nature of angels, but took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like the brethren, that he might be merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people, for in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to identify with you. In other words, he took the land. We're not trying to take the land. We're in the land. He took the land, and he brought us into the land. And what, what happened with Israel? Listen, I'll take you into the land. You destroy the enemies. 
You dispel the people that are there. I've given you the authority to do so. That's a lesson we need to learn. Our enemy, we dispose of our enemy. We take authority. We walk in the land according to the word. Not just what's right in my own eyes. Truth must prevail, and truth does prevail. God was involved. Here's another principle. God was involved in Moses' building because it was the picture of the true to come. He was faithful in all his house. So is Jesus faithful in all his house, who we are. Oh. Jesus is faithful to you. According to the word. Glory to God. We have a captain. Moses was the captain that followed. Jesus is our captain. So what is the first thing he says to the disciples? Follow me. And I'll take you. I will make you. I will take you where you can't go on your own. I will show you the power of heaven on earth. I will show you the authority of God that's on my life so that you know what you can do when I leave here. Glory to God. There is no despair in the kingdom. But there is a contending. And here's an important verse in the book of Hebrews. Partakers of the heavenly calling. Oh. We are partakers of a heavenly call, not an earthly call. Heaven is calling us to walk in truth. Heaven has called us out of darkness to walk in the dynamics of the power of the Holy Spirit. Consider the apostle, and here's a, wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavens God. Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful to his house. And here's what the word profession means. This kind of blew me away when I read this. The word profession means to agree. I come into agreement with what he said. He's the profession of our faith. He is who we come into agreement with. He, what he said is what we come into agreement with in the land. It's what we confess. It means to confess. What do I confess? I confess that Jesus has given me victory. I confess that Satan is under my feet. I confess that I'm more than a conqueror. I confess. I come into agreement with what he said. Say the same thing. <laughs> That's what it means. Say the same thing. <clears throat> say the same thing. Come on, say it. There you go. You heard me. <laughs> a confession, a profession, a recognition. Oh, what do I recognize? Oh, I recognize my apostle and high priest who conquered the devil 
destroyed everything, fulfilled all the Old Testament, and gave me a brand new one to walk in. Glory to God. The other thing is this. If you come into agreement, this is a challenge, if we come into agreement with him, what do we come into agreement with? Everything he said. But not only that, everything he did. Oh. Oh, yeah, you know, well, I don't go to church anymore. I hear that so much nowadays. No, I don't go to church anymore. It's, it's, like, it's like they're criticizing God's house. They're ridiculing the place of worship. They're ridiculing, they're ridiculing the place of getting together and worship him. Oh, everybody just did that, which is right in his own eyes. Well, what's right in the eyes of God? Gather and worship. Be committed to the house of God. Moses was committed. Jesus is committed. We need to be committed. And not be a bunch of flakes wandering around, wondering where we belong. We belong to the house of God. We are the house of God. We gather together to worship him. It's amazing. I was just sharing with Brad. I was teaching him how to do some studies, and, and we looked at the word faithful for God. It described what faithfulness of God looked like. I said, now let's go look at the faithfulness of Moses. And so we go to the passage where Moses was faithful. And guess what? The definition was the same as the faithfulness of God. Oh, surprise. Moses' faithfulness to the house was not different than God's commitment. And neither shall our be. Can you say amen? No, this is truth, folks. I, I, I just get a, oh, well, what does it matter? It doesn't matter what I get. What I really believe is God is trying to tell us something. I have taken the land for you. I've gone before you into the land of Canaan, and I have weakened, and I have destroyed the enemy, and now you go and dispose of him out of your life. My family was under my authority, and my authority was under God, and my honor of God and my honor of His Word protected my family. Don't ever discount. This is, this is real stuff, folks. Parents become the model of heaven to their children. Those are the first people we disciple. 
And I thank God. And, and God said to me, well, you've walked with me. And I walked with you and your family. When you raise your children, remember, you're living a life in a holy nation, not Canada. Huh? We are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a special people in the sight of God. Your family is in that realm of the holy presence of Almighty God because of you as parents. There is a commitment to the Word of God that should never be compromised when it comes to our children. Because what I do, they will do. What I believe, they will believe. What I say, they will say. So we must not look at things just, oh, well, you know, it's my family, whatever. No, no. God looks down on your family, and he has blessed you with your children, and he expects you to actually walk before him in discipline of your life to what he said in his word and not what you think nor what society thinks. You see, we're a holy nation. We're under the government of God. We are set apart for Him. We don't belong to Canada. Oh, we have our membership here. We live here. But we belong. We are members of a holy nation. We are members of the tribe of God. We are his people. He has given us the constitution of his kingdom. He has given us the word of instruction. He has given us the word of life. And then Jesus said in closing, he said to the Father, he says, the glory you gave me, I gave them. That, the definition of the word glory is huge. The first Words of it is this. I gave them your opinion. I gave them your conversation. That's the first de definition of the word glory. Now it gets into the, the Shekinah glory and all that on in the definition. But the first thing is this. If you want to get into the Shekinah, come into agreement. Amen. Come into agreement. I have given them, I have given them your, the glory you gave me. In other words, the life I lived, the opinions I put forth, I gave them. Wow. So that's our Heavenly Father. Amen. Isn't it a privilege to be his child? It is a privilege to be a child of God and living under his authority, his kingship, his power, his holiness, his righteousness, his peace, his joy, his longevity, his contentions of life. Glory to God.
So the next time you face something, remember where he is. <laughs> Come on. If you have an illness, remember where he is. He fathered it all in heaven, and he brought it to earth. Jesus came and destroyed his power, destroyed his work, and for this reason, the Son of God has manifest to destroy the works of the devil. And now he says, do it. Don't let him rule your life. Don't let sickness reign. Don't let contention reign. Don't let arguments reign. Be at peace with all people.